You're listening to That'll Preach. This is Brian, and uh, we've got another conversation lined up. Today, we have uh, Reverend Stephen Wedgworth. He's the rector of Christ Church Anglican in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, he's a writer. He's written a lot of stuff, Desiring God, Gospel Coalition. Uh, He's been on Mere Orthodoxy, all kinds of stuff. And he's also a founding board member of the Davenant Institute, which uh, I feel like we're just shilling for the Davenant Institute because we've had, we've had so many people associated with them on the podcast. But he's done a lot of great work, really great writer, and uh, we're happy to have you on with us, Stephen. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So uh, I want to cut right to what got me interested in having you on. And uh, I was really intrigued by an article you wrote recently uh, on World, World Magazine, uh, about everyone's favorite uh, wish he was a Christian, but he doesn't quite seem to be there. Uh, modern celebrity Jordan Peterson, and uh, the title is a great title: "Is Jordan Peterson Almost There?" And when I read that, I was like, I have thought that to myself a dozen times whenever I listen to him speak. So uh, I'm just curious, what was the impetus behind the article? What? How did you uh, first encounter Jordan Peterson? What was your? What, what's your background with engaging with his work? Yeah. So, so the reason to write this particular article was because he had released that video where he was speaking directly to Christian churches. And so it was kind of like a, it was like an obvious opportunity to connect Jordan Peterson to a broader uh, Christian audience. So that, that was kind of the short answer there. But um, no, I've known about him, um, I guess, I mean, probably 10 years, maybe maybe not quite 10 years. I haven't double checked, you know, when I first saw him, but certainly before he was so famous and popular. Um, he was sort of, uh, he was teaching psychology at the University of Toronto, and he was doing these YouTube videos. And so um, that started getting people's attention. And I guess um, it's because he was working through, well, no, he had that flare up about the um, the law in Canada where you had to yeah. use people's pronouns. pronouns. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So that's where I like first heard about him. But you know, whatever. You hear people like that all the time. There's like a minor little political controversy, but that wasn't what really drew me into him. It's when he was doing the Genesis lectures. Yeah. You say, oh, whoa, okay, this is this is kind of interesting. Um, you know, somebody who's from a very different world wants to talk about the Bible, um, and it seems to be a hit. <laughs> Right. Um, so that was what was kind of cool about it is that he was connecting the Bible to an audience that you wouldn't otherwise think would be in reading and talking about the Bible. And then seeing the momentum he was building with a young sort of male online audience, uh, that was very interesting to me. So that's where I first paid attention to him um, and then have just been keeping up with him ever since. I first got exposed to him with his online lectures about psychology. Like you were saying, he, he was a professor at the University of Toronto. And, and there was something compelling about the way he spoke. It seemed like he was telling me the truth without couching things. And that was something very fascinating. He, he, was, he seemed unafraid to speak about how people, how men and women actually interacted and, and how psychology actually worked. And, and, you know, for better or for worse, because sometimes because he can sound very direct. He can speak about things that he actually doesn't really know that much about. <laughs> um, but there, there was something, I don't even know if today I can even put my finger on it, but I'm like listening to him. And I'm like, wow, he is resonating with me as a young man on a very deep level. I think it, I think what it was, was he, he, he was articulating a sense of agency 
that a young man has to forge his path in the world that I had never encountered before. And I don't want to say that as like a slight of the church or anything like that. It just was my experience encountering him. And it was very compelling. Yeah, I think one of the things that got my attention is that he yeah, he makes statements and arguments with a, a sort of a confidence that there is a provable kind of objective truth. And even if that's bothersome, if that hurts your feelings, if that seems to violate a social agreement, um, it's still the case. It's true. <laughs> You've got to deal right. with it. Um, and uh, he would talk about things, yeah, like you say, men and women. And he's not using the Bible necessarily for that. He's got um, research about sociology, psychology, um, behavioral traits. Um, but he was he was just happy. He, he was uh, willing to just lay it out there. Um, so that always gets your attention when someone is like that. And I also think he just was a right place, right time character. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, he's on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's interacting with Sam Harris back when people... Yeah. Like, you know, today, Sam Harris, sorry, no offense, but like, I, I'm not interested. You know, if you mention, oh, yeah, there's a Sam yeah. Harris book, I don't care. But yeah. a few years ago, he was of, of interest. You know, he was still out there and people wanted to pay attention to him. And so, yeah, Peterson was just interacting with those characters at the right time so that he could get a very wide um, distribution of his ideas. There's something interesting about how these secular kind of guys. I mean, Peterson's a, like, and I think you mentioned this. He's a classic liberal. I don't know if you mentioned that, but, and it's true. I mean, if you were to ask him about something like gay marriage, he'd be affirming or at least let each have, you know, to each his own kind of thing. Joe Rogan's the same, you know, Sam Harris is probably pretty liberal in a lot of his beliefs. Um, and yet they're, they're painted as like these ultra conservative people. And, well, that, uh, that, yeah, that shows you what a weird time we live in. It is. Um, it is. Yeah, I mean, even in the 1980s or early 90s, it would have been very obvious that these guys are still basically um, liberal versus conservative. Um, but the term classical liberal, that's connecting them to that that tradition, right? This is coming out of maybe John Locke, John Stuart mm -hmm. Mill, on through the 18th, 19th, 20th century. That, that's what that means. Um, and they're still committed to um, yeah, certain fundamental truth commitments. Whereas in our day, when we just use the word liberal in a very loose way, we're talking about folks who think, well, it, it's just the community. Um, it's your personal experience. Uh, let's let everyone, um, what was that? The Supreme Court justice, he said, you know, the essence of liberty is to define your reality. But that is what's kind of normal now. Like that's what people yeah. are thinking of. So when you have a Peterson or even a Rogan who say, well, actually there is some research, there are some details, there's some truth yeah. here, and we should we should stand our ground on that, then that strikes people as traditional. Right. Was there something that Peterson had said or was there a shift in his thinking that 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 uh, kind of inspired you to start writing about, okay, where's Peterson spiritually? Because he has this interesting relation with Christianity where he has a deep respect for it. I think in his mind, the Bible encodes the wisdom of the ages in stories and archetypes that help uh, preserve what a good life is. And so there's a lot to appreciate about that, but, but there is this sense of like, yeah, but he's not a Christian and he's explicitly not a Christian. So I think he's getting less and less explicit about not 
being a Christian, <laughs> which interesting, I, which I think is worth noting. So yeah, yeah, ten years ago it would have been like I don't even know. He may have even said he was an atheist at one point. I can't remember mm. where he really, you know, the very beginning. But he was very clear that um, he didn't hold to you know conventional Christianity. The Bible for him was the. Um, it was one way in which humanity has formulated images and concepts and narratives to explain their wrestling with questions of transcendence. So, hmm. you know, you're small, the universe is big. You're going to die right. one day. Um, you have this quest for glory. So how do you explain these things? Well, you, you write a story and you use images. The God is big in the sky. You climb a mountain to get there. Right. <laughs> the, bad right. Guy is, the bad guy is a, a serpent or a dragon. And, um, and Peterson would say, you see this everywhere. You know, you see this in all cultures. Every every ancient civilization has these sort of things. So for him, Christianity was just that the version of that basic uh, story that has taken root in the West. And so he's from the West. America is essentially the West. So let's talk about that. Um, and using things like the psychological and philosophical work of Carl Jung, where you have a basic tension between order and chaos, and the individual has to strive and do battle with chaos to bring order, um, and that's how you have meaning. And then he would connect that with more um, like personal stuff, so your relationship with your father. Uh, you know, that, right. he was so he take this big brain idea and then this sort of personal relational idea and drawing them together. And so all these '90s kids who have terrible relationships with their fathers are like, whoa, okay, he's talking to me. So that, that's kind of his history. But um, even a year ago, I think it was, he did a video where he said that the, the metaphors and the symbols were starting to connect with reality for him. And he said, uh, he said, the point of connection is Jesus Christ. And that was his statement. And it was on a podcast with this, um, uh, Jonathan, I forget his last name. Jonathan Pe Hate? Uh, or it's like he's with a P. Peju. So oh, Pe oh, Jonathan Peju. Yeah. Yeah. P -E yeah, it was, e -A -U. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Peterson makes this statement and he's like, and then he almost is in tears. You know, he's really Oh, emotional. I've seen this video yeah. actually. Now that you, okay. Yeah, I, yeah so this yeah. was in 2021, um, yeah. in the spring of 2021. So when that came out, like everybody who ever grew up going to like a Baptist crusade or something says, Hey, I know what I'm watching here. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> like, I've seen this before. This guy is coming to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, you know, it's hard to say is, is that what's happening or not? It something's happening. Um, and then he starts to say things where, um, he in the past said he didn't, you know, he wouldn't comment on things like the resurrection of Christ or the historicity. Yeah. He's starting to basically affirm those things or, or at, really? least, at least he doesn't feel the need to say to tell you that he doesn't affirm them. Right. Like in the past, he would always work that in somehow. Like, well, I don't you know, I'm not actually one who holds to this, but it's useful. Well, well that's gone now. He doesn't say that anymore. Um, and then a few other pieces worth knowing, um, his wife and daughter, I believe mm. I have this right, they have both become Roman Catholic. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, didn't, like, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. So that's like okay. a bit of personal information to help contextualize him. And okay. then I heard this just a couple of months ago, and this could be total rumor mill. So like, I don't know, but I have some friends in Toronto um, and in the Anglican world. And they say that he, uh, Jordan Peterson himself, has been visiting an Anglican parish uh, when he's in Toronto. Wow. So, um, again, that may be totally rumor. I can't, like, can't totally stand behind that. So apologies if that doesn't cash out. But that was told to me by people who claim to, you know, be on the ground there. So it, it seems like he has something more than what he used to. It sounds like uh, it's like Constantine way back when, and then Jordan Peterson. You know, it's like the two big. It's a, it's, it's 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 not so different from C.S. Lewis, right? C.S. Lewis hmm. was not a Christian up until his adult life. That's right, and yeah, then yeah. he starts hanging out with people who are more traditionalist. He's asking these big questions, and eventually, um, he's pulled in. He's won over. <laughs> Talking about the video, you mentioned. That video, he, uh, it was like a, a message to Christian churches. And what's interesting is he has actually a bunch of videos, like one of them's to Muslims. Uh, I think even one of them was to atheists or something like that. So it, it, it's within its context, it was a series of videos. He was speaking to many different religions. So there's a kind of a, a universal message. But what did you find compelling about his particular message to the church regarding young men? Uh, well, I, I should say... Um, there are a lot of stuff I didn't love about it, but what did I like about it? I love this just optimistic hopefulness that um, the message of Christianity is actually appealing, uh, especially to a demographic which we have been telling ourselves is not interested. And so the idea is that, well, the young men don't like to go to church. How often have we heard that, right? There are books by that title, Why Men Hate Church. Um, we're always told that. Right. And in the past, the answer has been to like make the church manly, you know, do something yeah. to like, appeal to the masculine impulses. Um, and that gets kind of goofy. Uh, it can get really dangerous, uh, people promoting things that aren't good. But Peterson didn't say that. He, he actually said not to do that. <laughs> you know, he said, don't try to make some weird pitch. Don't make all these new promises. Just just say, young men are welcome here. <laughs> you could right. come in and then give them the classic traditional Christian teaching. Um, mm. And especially give them a drive for vocation. That's the key, right? Yeah. This is what you're here for. You have a job. Uh, you have he didn't ha he doesn't use this language, but we could very easily say you have a creation mandate. Um, you know, go forth, be fruitful, multiply, uh, subdue the earth, take dominion over it. Um, this is part of basic biblical teaching. And Peterson says this is actually what young men want. So just give it to them. And, and it's what they're looking for in all these other forms. And that, that is a powerful message. Um, I, I saw this, uh, I think it was Anthony Bradley. He, he had posted something about why the comparisons between Mark Driscoll and Peterson are incorrect. And one of the things he said was Driscoll was all about sort of the pitch. Like, like we're going to have this kind of performative kind of masculinity that draws you in. Whereas 
like you're saying, Peterson isn't trying to say we got to all, you know, paint our faces and go kill a boar out in the wild for men's weekend or something and eat it. You know, it's it's like it's a very grounded type of he's saying this is not something added to Christianity. It's not a remarketing of Christianity. It, It is Christianity. Yeah. That's right. You know? Yeah, Driscoll, um, I was never a big Driscoll guy just because of my own history. I, I he didn't I didn't need him, right? I was already yeah. already into Christianity before Driscoll became a big guy. But um I know people who liked him, you know, who who had a good experience at least early on. And yeah. I think in his earlier days, he had more of what we see in Peterson, which is this sure. affirmation, this, hey, let me help you grow and I will I will assist you and I will encourage you. Um, but he lost that. Absolutely. Right. And I was listening to one of his, I was preaching a series through the book of Esther years ago. And um, so I thought, well, I'll just see who else has done that. And hey, Driscoll had a whole series on it. So I, I listened to some Driscoll stuff and I was really shocked by a statement he said in one of his sermons. He said, the Bible has nothing good to say about young men. Now that was that was like a quote, and he then went mm. on this rant about how they're they're lazy, they they yeah, only yeah. want to feed their bellies or their you know their sexual desires, and they're fools. And he just he just basically saying, "I hate young men." Now, in his mind, I guess that was talking tough, you know, scared mm-hmm. straight kind of business. But it's just a turnoff and like making fun of the video games or oh, you're at home yeah. in your mom's basement. Like I used to live in Vancouver. Absolutely, you're in your mom's basement because <laughs> right. like, inflation, every, man. Everybody's right. in their mom's basement these days. It's just life. Um, yeah. And instead of shaming everybody over that, Peterson says, "Hey, you know why you like video games? Because <laughs> there's yeah. there's a quest. There's right. there's a there's a calling to to do work, to do battle, to achieve. <laughs> um, and as long as you're in your mom's basement." Clean it up. <laughs> take oh, o- yeah. Take order over that basement, right? Make that your domain. <laughs> and so you, you see a difference in approach. And it is an encouragement. And it's a, it, it really is giving people tools to actually uh, be productive where they are. And I think, you know, that's so important because people want to say, well, okay, Driscoll is he's talking to the men and then they just immediately jump to what they think that must mean. Mm-hmm. But it is often very compassionate, very um, I mean, he doesn't have any problems showing emotions. He yeah, he he conveys in a way. I mean, this is like classic inspirational speaker stuff, right? He conveys that he yeah. cares about you um, and he wants you to have success. Yeah. And like, that's so basic. And we all have been told that that's what you're supposed to do. But like, it's so hard to really do it in a way that people believe. What are some concerns you had with his video? Yeah. So um, some of this is just what we've seen. I think a number of people have made this comment about what they've noticed in Peterson the last couple of years, that he is losing some of that original um uh, what made him so unique? Um, he's he's got a little more just kind of anger. Uh, he mm-hmm. seems more tied into the sort of the fighting, whether it's online or whatever. Maybe it's because of how he's been so mistreated. Um, yeah. And what happens, and you see this with many celebrity characters, they stop being really creative and thinking beyond all of that towards whatever their real big picture is. And they just get kind of sucked into the back and the forth. Let me answer that commentator. Let me fight this person. 
and it gets kind of predictable and is less effective. So I think he is having that danger right now. And, um, you know, being he's recently joined uh, Ben Shapiro's media group. And you just feel like that's kind of a step down, not a step up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I hope that that doesn't mean that his best days are, are behind him. But but I have that concern. I feel like he is kind of just settling into a very predictable, conventional kind of thing. Um, but then there's also, yeah, the um, the video to the churches where there was a bit of kind of seeker sensitive consumerism, right? Like, hey, the young men are there. You can bring them in. And, and then this is the problem is that and then this will be good for the world, right? Like, hey, you bring the, the young men in, equip them, and then then that'll be good for the world. But as Christians, we've got to know why do we want to like what is being good for the world about uh it, hopefully it's not simply to have a, um uh everyone are good americans and they 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 smile and they wave like um and even just being happy on earth right that that's not sufficient um and so if you're giving a message to churches you've got to go beyond merely the earthly temporal benefit and you've got to get to eternity and so why do we want young men to be successful and to flourish? Ultimately, we want them to meet Jesus so that they can be united to God for eternity, <laughs> right? right? That's got to be the punchline. And he doesn't quite get there. Um, he, is, he, he sort of stops it as like, this is good for you. This is good for them. It's good for the country. Everybody wins. And it lacks the uniquely spiritual Christian element to it. That's a great insight. I, I don't think I've ever even really thought about how it is sort of an attractional, it is a seeker sensitive thing where it, uh, Jesus is, and he does speak about at least earlier on, maybe not so much now, but Jesus, the Bible, it's very utilitarian. This is a good thing to have. It's good to be religious for these greater goods. When a Christian is saying, no, the greatest good is Knowing God is to is to know Jesus. That is the greatest good to which all things flow. And he almost has it. I mean, he does have it reverse. We're like, if you commit yourself to Jesus, whether he's real or not, whether God's real or not, it will set you on a path to a good life, which that is the prosperity gospel. <laughs> that is a, a very seeker sensitive thing. And uh, and and you do you do talk about too about the there's a missing factor of grace. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so if you read um, his books, uh, especially clear in the, the second book, Beyond Order, um, he defines sin. He's got a chapter where mm -hmm. he defines sin. He's got God. Um, but what he never has is um, sort of a propitiatory atonement where Christ bears that punishment and then can provide something that both forgives our sins and makes us acceptable to God. So that piece of the puzzle is missing. Uh, Peterson is now willing to talk about there is a God, there's a Satan, um, there's a problem of isolation, being separated from God. He talks about mm -hmm. that. And there's sin. That's a problem. But he's missing that element that, that evangelical Christians would say is the answer, the solution. Um, and so in, one, in that letter to the churches, for example, 
And there was a funny line in there that caught some people's attention because he's saying good things. You know, you got to uh, get married and you're going to fight the dragon. You're going to build a house. But then he said, build a tower. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. He did. Yeah. It's like, have you been reading Genesis? That yeah. Doesn't end well. it, it was definitely like a scratch on the record. Like, whoa, yeah, 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 wait yeah. a minute. Right. <laughs> like you're with him, cheering him. And then, whoa, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> No, we don't build the tower. <laughs> um, and so I think, yeah, that shows you where he's he's still incomplete. Um, and if he were trying to be a pastor, like if he was saying, hey, I'm a I'm an evangelical pastor, then that'd be a huge problem. Right. We'd run. We'd run up and stop the tape and we would was in no way we can't. But since we know he's actually not and that he's been making progress from being farther away, uh, this is one of those errors that we're, I think, able to, to help bridge. We can show where he's missing something and then try to walk him to where he needs to be. Um, but yeah, he currently doesn't have that key piece. So a, a lot of what Peterson is saying, you know, you, you're talking about how it, 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 it speaks about good things, but he's sort of missing the, like the telos of it, the, what it's all really pointing to. Um, knowing that a lot of young men and, and Christian men, let's say Christian men have watched this video, what are some cautions that you would give to them in terms of sort of engaging with Peterson's material? So I would say that you need to just understand what kind of material it is. Like if you go in thinking, okay, this guy has got this sort of genius angle on Christianity that other people have missed, then you're going to be on the wrong track. It's not true. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you know, basically miss out on things you need. If you go into it thinking this guy has the wisdom of the nations, you know, the, the heathen, the pagans, the Gentiles, uh, he, he's bringing the glories of Japheth in, um, but still needs some supplement then you'll be on a much safer footing. Um, and so he doesn't totally have a, a creator-creation distinction. In um, one of his lines in Beyond Order, he says something about, uh, well, he says, nature is chaos. And for him, that's original. Like It's like it's chaos out of the gates. Um, and he says, nature is trying to kill you. That's one of his lines. Well, for Christians, there's a way in which that's true. Um, after the fall, <laughs> nature is bent and warped and will lead you to death. Absolutely. But that's not what it was in the beginning. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth, male and female, uh, it was all very good. And... Hmm. Uh, Chaos and the danger of nature is because of sin and the fall. So for Peterson, when he defines sin, I don't have the book in front of me right now. I'm going from memory, but essentially sin is that disorder. You know, you, you try to do what's right and you get pulled astray because your things are chaotic. Um, and so you got to fight it. You got to go to war against it. But for Christians, sin is what caused the chaos, right? Right, um, right. Sin was an internal misuse of the will 
refusing to submit to God, refusing to glorify Him and give thanks to Him, and instead wanting to be as God, so to speak, right? To, to take total autonomy, total control, uh, and that's what brought about the disorder. So, so Peterson is kind of taking a post-fall reality and then pushing it backwards into the original creation. Mm. And then there's another place where he talks about God and the divine in a way that sounds almost uh, pantheistic, where like when you successfully do battle against chaos, you strive and you achieve this newfound order, like that experience is God. Now, if you read like progressive or classically, or not classical, progressive or liberal Christians in the 60s and 70s, they say stuff like that all the time. And that was a step away from orthodoxy towards a more like literally pantheistic, universalistic creed. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if this is just stuff Peterson was taught in school. You know, this is like just in his memory. Uh, so yeah. he's he you default to that stuff, right? Like you mentioned earlier, sometimes he gets out of his area of specialty. <laughs> yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's he's doing all this cool stuff and he's like, okay, I know exactly what goes here, and he he draws back to his you know teaching from back in the day, which was was not so helpful. Um, so, yeah, I think a, a good dose of Augustine, you know, read a little bit of City of God, get some basic Christian theism, uh, and that will help correct these errors. He doesn't seem to have, or what is missing that is uniquely Christian is he doesn't have an, he doesn't have an eschatology and he doesn't have a, whatever the beginning, is it protology? Protology. Or yeah, protology. Yeah. He doesn't have a sense in all was created good and it's fallen and that all will be fully redeemed and he i know he's used the the imagery of yin and yang multiple times kind of eastern ideas of how chaos in a sense is a good it's this eternal force that's that put that kind of propels people forward as opposed to viewing it as as an as something that will be you know fully vanquished or something i mean it, it i think he does have a little bit more than that so i would say okay. he has some protology he has some eschatology but it, it works like this protology okay. for him starts off with the dualism, right? Okay, right, right, right. You've got right. the dualism, the yin and the yang, the light and the dark, the chaos and the order. And the eschatology is after those things crash together, eventually you have taken control and brought order to the chaos. I see. So okay. that is his path, his narrative, his vision. But... The, the, the problem is that, as we said, the chaos seems to be equally original, right? Sure. It, right, it, it right. didn't come later and make a problem. And so that does give you that sort of like classic two gods, two, two eternal forces. And so how does one overcome the other and how does this work? Yeah, and, and we the individuals... Um, are we more aligned with one or the other, right? These are the questions that Christians want to ask. Um, so yeah, Peterson is, I think a way that there's a big word, but it, um, it's helpful once you get comfortable with it. Um, there's a term called perennialism. So hmm. perennial, we think of that as like classic, always relevant. But in philosophy and theology, it means like 
the thing that every school of thought has in common. So Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, even Norse paganism, right? Like you find the common elements and that's what's the real thing. And I think Peterson, whether he wants to or not, like he, he definitely has a lot of that happening. So Genesis, oh, okay, that's what I see in um, the Enuma Elish, uh, ancient Babylonian tale. And, and this is also what I see in these classic Chinese or Indian tales. Um, and it's what I see in modern fiction, right? <laughs> so, um, so you merge it all together. Um, Christians can do that. I mean, C.S. Lewis does a lot of that, but we have to always do it with a bit of a kind of a hidden um, religious imperialism, right? <laughs> you know, like at the end, we'll of the, say that you're going to get canceled. <laughs> like at the end of the day, everything that's true is a reflection of right. the one God, mm -hmm. uh, and He has truly revealed Himself through His Scripture and through His Son Jesus uh, mm -hmm. in a most clear and authentic fashion. Yeah. So I think that's uh, another area where Peterson needs to be cleaned up, needs to be perfected. Um, and again, if he were trying to present himself as the new candidate to be the pastor at your church, no, he's not qualified. You know, that's not, we wouldn't accept that. But if you treat him as a guy that has made an amazing progress and is getting so many interesting truths out there, and can actually be integrated and brought into a Christian narrative, then I think you're on stronger ground. Maybe on the flip side, um, what are some things that pastors could learn from Peterson or adopt, or maybe even on a personal level, what are some ways in which he has changed how you do ministry, if that, that is the case? I think that um, in his book, Beyond Order, there's a chapter on marriage. And like it's as good or better than any Christian marriage book. I got to say, um, uh, I always struggle. People say, what's a good book to read on marriage? And I'm, I'm, I'm grasping, you know, I'm like, well, this book, <laughs> but don't read this chapter, you know, yeah. and, and this book, but don't read that chapter. So, I mean, I think his chapter on marriage is, is as good or better than, than most Christian books on the topic. So um, there's a lot there. This basic idea of connecting with people, you know, trying to show a concern for them without being too obviously, um, uh, without being manipulative, without being salesman-like. Um, and then the connection between the drive for vocation and the drive to be connected to God. Um, that's just classic stuff. Um, it's stuff you would see in C.S. Lewis. So Peterson is just putting a little more modern, a little more contemporary touch to that. But it's in Lewis, it's in Luther, it's in Augustine, uh, because it's biblical. So seeing the best elements of um, a kind of a, a psychological treatment of people, um, an affirmative approach to people in their struggles, um, without, uh, without then... Uh, without also sort of running away from the hard topics, right? So you affirm them and then you give them the challenge and you're encouraging them towards doing the battle. I think that's a great pastoral framework. That idea of challenge, I think, was what was compelling about him. And, and I, I do think about that with the role of challenging people 
as a pastor, but not which is not crushing or berating people or shaming them, but in a sense calling out the best of who they can be. <laughs> maybe maybe you know that that sounds kind of you know hokey, but I, there's something to that in in the modern sort of. Broad reform. You, you talked about the the new Calvinism, the reform resurgence, right? Yeah. There's there's always two options, two, and, and they're they're dangers, they're incompletes. You've got the hey, buck up, be a tough guy, stop being a loser, and you know just follow God's will for your life. That approach. But then there's the other approach that says, oh, well, we're all just broken. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all messy sinners. And uh, the whole point is to recognize that you can't do it and you just got to let God, he's going to do the work for you. And both of those presentations are wrong. <laughs> right. Like the second one is attractive because you've already lived the first one. You know, you got beat up by the first one. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. But the second one, that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say right. like, hey, it, yeah, it does say you're a sinner. Absolutely. And you can't justify yourself. You can't bring anything uh, to stand before God's righteous judgment. But it never says, so stop like trying to keep the law. <laughs> right. <laughs> stop obeying. Don't Don't worry about dominion. It never says that. Uh, it says, go and sin no more. <laughs> go and do likewise. Um, uh, it says to uh, boldly proclaim the truth, um, to do spiritual warfare against principalities and powers and thrones and dominions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you have to have that. And so in some ways we recognize in Peterson, like he's threading a needle that even a lot of Christians can't do. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. as we said, he's got these missing pieces. It's not he's he he needs help, but he's he is he's giving you the tenderness when needed, and then he's giving you the push towards uh, strife and battle and and seeking to overcome the challenges uh, as the natural conclusion. He he, he does, does have this uh, ability to really speak with clarity and forcefulness with a deep sort of wellspring of understanding. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I mean, if he became a Christian, that'd be pretty, uh, that'd be pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I, I wonder how much of this sort of spiritual turn for him is because of the recent suffering health wise he's gone through. I mean, he had sure. the, uh, addiction to some medication he was given. His wife almost died. Yeah. Um, and I think that that suffering does something to someone that that pushes them deeper into the symbols, you know, that he's talking about. Well, absolutely. And uh, I, I'd be curious to see what fruit comes from the symbols becoming more and more of a reality to him. Yeah. Well, death, I mean, death is the great equalizer. Yeah. Death is the, you have to face it. Um, what's going to happen? That's when you have to really get real. So, um, yeah. And I think the Christian response to Peterson, right, it, it's not to say, hey, Watch out. He's dangerous. He's he's not mm-hmm. on board all the way. Do you see his mistakes here and there? But it is to, what you just said. Like, wouldn't it be great if he became a Christian? Like, let's pray for this brother. Let's try in whatever capacity we can to to help curve and twist and mu- and push it in the right direction. Um, we don't lie. We don't hide the issues that we have. 
but uh, it would be amazing. And it certainly wouldn't be the first time something like this has happened in history. Um, and uh, it would be good for, for, it would be great for Peterson himself, right? For his, his own soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see if he becomes Anglican. You know? <laughs> there you go. Maybe, hey, maybe you'll become his rector and that'll be, that'll be quite that, a story. <laughs> that is extremely unlikely, but <laughs> it'll be like, I've heard about you. I've heard about you, Wedgworth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. That was a great insight. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to your article in our show notes, and I'll, I'll probably put a link to the actual video that Peterson put out, so people can have some context. But uh, really appreciate your perspective, and I think it's really helpful. A healthy dose of criticism, but also an appreciation for the fact that this guy is tapping into something that um, I think church leaders could tap into as well, but with something better, with the actual full gospel. And, uh, but anyway, I appreciate your thoughts and thanks for, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 